Good morning. You are rowdy this morning. All right. We welcome all of you to Bible class, and we welcome our KFU listening audience. And we are continuing with the study of Ephesians, and we're picking up today at Ephesians 4, verse 14. And the verse before is talking about how we're going to grow into the full stature of Christ. And then 14 begins, why do we grow into the full stature of Christ? In order that we may no longer be children tossed and carried along by every wind of doctrine. Okay, that word tossed to and fro, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament right here. But it reminds us of, do you remember when the Lord Jesus stilled the storm? They were being tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves, carried along. Um, and, and this is by every wind of doctrine. In other words, people were following false teachings concerning Christ, okay? And he does not want us to be carried along and tossed about by all the false teaching that is going on. Uh, every wind of doctrine. And then it says, it actually says in the trickery of man, in the trickery of man and the cunning, the cunning, uh, the trickery of man is the way that you are manipulated by these teachings. And they sound good, but they're false. They sound like something we could believe in, but they're false teaching. And um, so, and then the scheming, the scheming of error. In other words, it's like uh, you're being tempted by so many things and there are so many things we hear that are not of God. They are, as they're described here, trickery, cunning. And notice it says, the trickery of man. This is not from God. Okay? So uh, he doesn't want us tossed to and fro. And what he's saying is the only way uh, we can't avoid that except when we are in Christ, when we are growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we're growing in our faith. We're in touch with the Word of God. 
That is the only thing we can use. And when we hear these things, we have to compare them to the Word of God. Not what we think, but compare them to the Word of God. Now, but it says, speaking the truth in love, that we might grow all things in him who is the head, Christ. All right, so uh, it's being said that when you speak the word of God, it is a word of truth that is spoken in love. That, those are the kinds of words that build us up, that build us up so that we grow. But it only happens in Christ, as it says, who is the head, Christ. From whom all the body is fit together and united through every ligament supplied according to the working in each one to grow the body, uh, to build it up in itself in love. Okay, that's messy. Um, what it's saying is this, as we are speaking to one another and to others, with the word of truth. God is supplying that which knits us together and unites us so that we grow together and so that the church, the whole body, is built up. Okay? Not torn down, built up. Now, this is an action of Christ working through us as we speak to one another the truth, okay? The Word, all right? The Word. But notice it constantly says in love. Uh, the Word of God is not to be shared as if one person is superior to the other, okay? It is in love, knowing that we are all equally sinful people and need one another. Okay. For this reason, I say and I testify in the Lord, you are no longer to walk as the Gentiles walked in the uh, vanity of their minds. Now, remember he's writing to Gentiles in Ephesus. They are no longer to be uh, acting like the Gentiles in the vanity of their mind. 
uh, it might say futility in yours. But that word, futility and vanity, or whichever one, is closely related in the Old Testament to idolatry. To idolatry. Um, Because it says over and over again in the Old Testament that it is vain to worship idols. It is futile to worship idols because they have no power, because they have no nothing. They're either metal or wood or whatever, but they're not God. So it is, what what he's referring to here is the vanity of the Gentiles worshiping idols, okay? Worshiping idols is what he's talking about. And then he launches in on, on a, quite a list here. Uh, being in darkness, or uh, being in darkness in their understanding. In other words, the realm of darkness is always talked about being of Satan. And the realm of light is of God. So they're in darkness. Their understanding is in darkness. They don't understand. And then it says, alienated from the life of God through their ignorance, uh, which is in themselves. Now, what, what this ignorance is, is they do not know the things of God. When we are born into this world, We do not know the things of God. They are totally foreign to us. The Gentiles were born into this world, and they do not naturally understand the things of God. That's true of any person born in this world. They do not understand. They are ignorant uh, of the things of God. Okay? They're alienated from the life of God. Only God can give true life. Only God. And when you don't have God, you don't have life. You are literally the walking dead. Okay? The walking dead. And then it says, through or because of the hardness of their hearts. Now that's an interesting term. What does hardness of heart mean? It's related to dullness, all right? But hardness of heart is, if you're going to define it, it's the inability of the heart to recognize sin so that you feel guilty. In other words, your heart has become so hard that even when you sin, there's no guilt. You don't feel anything, okay? That's a hard heart. When you can repeatedly do something that is clearly wrong in the law of God and it has no effect on you whatsoever, you have a hard heart. 
Okay. You have a hard heart, a dull heart. So notice all the words he's using. Darkness, alienation, ignorance, hardness. Okay, all these things he's applying that we should not be like these things. Okay, we should not be like these things. Um, uh, then, it says here, uh, verse 19, it's talking about callousness. They have become callous and given themselves over to uh, lewdness, wantonness. We'll talk about that term. Um, they're callous. In other words, nothing bothers them. Back to related to that dullness of the heart. They're callous. They can watch evil and it makes, it has no effect on them. And then this term, and they have become, um, have given themselves over to lewdness. Does your, do your translations say lasciviousness? Sensuality, okay. Um, that word actually means you do things that are out of bounds. You do things that are out of bounds. Inappropriate, out of bounds. Okay? Out of bounds. Uh, and, and then it goes on to say that they're actually greedy, greedy to work all kinds of uncleanness. In other words, it's not enough to be callous when they see it. They actually are greedy to do it, to do evil. They look for ways to do evil. Now, we're getting pretty bad here. Yes. Wallowing in it. They love to be evil. Okay. They love to be evil. So this is quite the description here. When you put all this together, darkness, alienation, ignorance, hardness, callousness, out of bounds, and greed to do evil. Okay, that's pretty bad. Yes? That's right. Yeah, and what will come up in the coming verses is that's the way you used to be. This is the description of the way you used to be. And of course, Gentiles still are. Okay? Still are. But verse 20 is the change. You did not thus learn Christ. If you heard about him and 
were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, so now this is the change. The former was a description of the Gentile way of life until they learned of Jesus Christ. You didn't learn of Christ this way. These things are not of Jesus Christ. If you heard about him and were taught in him, then these things are not of Jesus Christ. They're not. Because the truth, notice this is the only place this is really said, the truth is Jesus. The truth is Jesus. You're not going to find truth elsewhere. You're not going to find understanding elsewhere. You're not going to find a way to overcome hard hearts and callousness elsewhere. It all is in Christ. Okay? And only through his word do these things happen. Only through his word. Then he starts in, and the next verses are really focused on baptism. Okay? Lay aside, you lay aside, according to your former manner of life, the old man, the old man corrupted according to the desires of deceit. All right. The description of the old man, that is the person before you were baptized. That is the description before you were baptized. You were corrupted by your desires of deceit and evil. Okay? You were corrupted by that. This is what is true of every person born into this world. Everyone, no exception, okay? This is the former manner of life, what he described before, the darkness, the ignorance. This is the former manner of life. When every person is born in this world, that's the way they are. They are ignorant of God and want nothing to do with God. But notice he said, lay that aside. Well, that occurred in baptism, okay? In baptism. Lay it aside. The old man, the sinful man, the ignorant man. And then verse 23, renewing the spirit of uh, our minds, 
spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which is according to God's creation, or by which God created, in which God created in righteousness and holiness of truth. All right, so there's two parts to baptism. When you are baptized, you lay aside, you put off the former manner of life and the old man, the sinful man. Then in baptism, you put on the new man. And notice it says, created by God in righteousness and holiness. Now there's a lot here. Yes. Yes. Well, the heart is thought to be the seat of feelings, and the mind is understanding. Okay. So, uh, but he's talking about the total person. Now, notice it says, put on. This is very important language. And let me try to flesh this out all the way. When Adam and Eve sinned, God put on them animal skins to cover them. When we are baptized in Christ, God clothes us with Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. We are clothed with Christ. Now this is fabulous. Adam and Eve were clothed in dead animal skins. Baptized believers are clothed in Christ. Further, notice how it says that they're created by God. Adam and Eve were created by God. But here the emphasis is God is restoring his image in his people. He's restoring what he wanted Adam and Eve to be like to start with in all of us. Now, it doesn't happen instantly. It won't happen completely until we're in heaven. But he is creatively, in baptism, creating us once again in the image of God. Okay. It begins in baptism. It begins in baptism. And it's in righteousness and holiness of truth. The righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. The holiness is the holiness of Christ. That's the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, you are now 
as righteous as Christ and as holy as Christ when God looks at you. Because you have put on Christ. His righteousness and holiness is now declared to be yours. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, Adam and Eve were, were very weak because they were tempted. They wanted to be like God, okay? But now God is so merciful, he's going to restore us to be like him through Jesus Christ. So when God looks at you every day, he sees his son. In baptism, you put on Christ and he sees his son, holiness and righteousness. They are declared yours. You don't have it yourself. They are declared yours, okay? Called imputed righteousness. He declares it, and it's yours. And it happens in, in your baptism. So um, these are powerful words, and, and they're paralleled in, in Colossians. We looked at those earlier. Uh, but it's really, put on, anytime you see the words put off or put on in Scripture, it's baptism. May not say baptism, but it is. That's what they're talking about. All right, so some instructions. Therefore, okay, because this is true, because you've put off the old and been clothed with Christ, and you're new, therefore, put away falsehood. Each speak the truth with his neighbor, because we are members one of another. Okay? Now, what are the implications of when this happens? When we're all baptized and we're all new creations and we're all uh, people of God, now what? Therefore, put away falsehood. Now, that would be any false teaching. That would be the primary thing, any false teaching. That goes back up to what was said before, okay? You were taught in him, okay? You used to believe the scheming trickery of the world, put that away, put away all falsehood, all falsehood. The false teachings about God. Now, how do you know what's the false teachings about God? You have to be in constant contact with the Word of God and be constantly comparing what you hear all around you in the world, comparing that to the Word of God. And 
when you compare it, you will know what is of God and what is not of God. But put away the falsehood. Don't speak falsehood. All right? And, and you know, and at times we don't mean to do that, but we do. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I think, well, God doesn't care what you think. Okay? What is the truth? Okay? What is the truth? Compare what you think with the Word of God. And, and put away falsehood, speaking the truth. Speaking the truth about Christ with your neighbor, which means with everybody. With everybody. Because we're all members of the same body. We're all members one of another. We don't want to see any damage come to another. We don't want to see that happen. We don't want to see any spiritual... We don't want to create spiritual problems for another. So you have to be very careful when you're speaking about Christ, what you're saying. Okay? And believe me, as a pastor, you learn that in a hurry. I remember one time when I was first a pastor in Starkville, Mississippi, and... I was walking down the hall between church and Sunday school one day, and I heard this woman say, now, pastor says that's not right. And I said to myself, good heavens, they're listening. <laughs> and from then on, you pay attention to what you say, especially if you're talking about the Word of God and doctrine. Okay? So you put away this falsehood. Now... A number of instructions here. Be angry, but do not sin. Let not the sun set on your anger. Do not give a place to the devil. All right, what does that mean? Well, we've all heard, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be angry, but do not sin. Now, what's being talked, what's being differentiated here is our anger over things in this world and God's righteous anger. There is a, such a thing as righteous anger, but there's also sinful anger. Do not sin is saying... When you get angry, do not let that anger motivate sinful actions. Be angry, but do not sin. You may get upset, but don't let that anger be the beginning of you committing sinful acts because you are angry. If it's righteous anger, fine. But sinful anger, if you're angry because of what somebody did to you, don't let that anger motivate you to do sinful things in word or deed. And when it's saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger, it's saying, get rid of the anger 
and get rid of the cause of the anger. The cause of the anger, which means you may have to go talk to that person and tell them how you feel to clear the air. It's saying get rid of the anger and the cause of the anger. If you don't get rid of the cause of the anger, it continues. It festers. It can create problems. And then you're giving a place to the devil. If you let the anger go on and become bitterness, or it leads to you sinning because of it, then you have given a place to the devil. So it's getting rid of the anger and the cause of the anger. Okay? See what I'm saying? It's deeper than just don't be angry. It's fix the anger. Do everything you can to fix the anger before the sun goes down. Let him who steals, steal no more. Rather labor, working with his own hands the good, in order that he may have something to share with those in need. Okay? Thief. If you're a thief, stop stealing and start working with your own hands. Why would you stop stealing and start working with your own hands? He tells us, so that you will have things to share with those who are in need. Okay? That's the motivation. In other words, he is now translating for us that the way we live this new image of Christ is to take care of our neighbor. We don't speak falsehood. We don't let anger fester. And we work so that we have things to share with those in need. So all of a sudden, our faith in Christ is being translated, how do we live our faith and love in Christ? By loving our neighbor. By loving our neighbor. So Paul has moved from the basics of salvation and baptism, talked about unity. Now he's talking about how we treat one another. Okay, Um, now, he talks about our speech, he talks about our speech. Um, Let, or, yeah, let not a corrupt word Come forth from your mouth. Okay? Do not let a corrupt word come forth 
from your mouth. Now, um, this is, is probably really pointing us to um, anything that hurts, anything that's uh, foul language, uh, should not come out of our mouths. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, this word can mean rotten, corrupt, or useless. Okay? Rotten, corrupt, or useless. But, he says, what is good to build up the one in need or to build up those uh, that have need. Uh, it's, it's in order that uh, you give grace to those who hear. In other words, your speech should be such that there's no corrupt words. Every word you need to weigh so that they are building up, not tearing down. They are building up, not creating anger. They are building up so that when people hear you, they hear grace. Now, grace is referring back to Christ. Christ is grace incarnate. God wants to work through you to others. So when your speech is that which is good and builds up, then God is working through you to bring his grace to others. Okay? Bring his love in Christ to others. Your good speech can accomplish that because your good speech is your witness. Okay? Your witness. So now he's dealing with our speech. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in which you were sealed in the day of revent, uh, uh, redemption. Okay, what does it mean to grieve the Spirit of God? When you do things when you say things that are not of God, you grieve the Holy Spirit in the sense that he's grieved that you have rejected what he's working in you through Jesus Christ. Okay? 
That grieves him when the people of God do things and say things that are not flowing from what he has worked in you as the new man in Christ. Okay? That's what's being said here. In which you were sealed in your day of redemption, in the day of redemption. In other words, the day you were baptized or the day you came to faith in Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means you received the Holy Spirit. And in other places, it talks about the fact that being sealed in the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee to you that you are in Christ. Now you say, well, how do I know that I have the Spirit? Well, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have it. You wouldn't be able to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior if you didn't have him. The fact that you are here, the fact that you care about your own spiritual life, is a sign the Spirit is working in you. When you feel guilty over sin, okay, and you flee to Christ for forgiveness, the Spirit is working in you. And these are signs of his guarantee that he has given you the Spirit. You are sealed in the Spirit in the day of redemption. And then he has a long list of things to put away. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, blasphemy, Okay, let them be lifted up from you with all mouths. Okay, so it's a long list. A long list that he wants us to put away and put off again because we're in Christ. All right, but then a positive. Be gentle, compassionate, forgiving to one another. Okay? Those are the positive thing he wants us to do. Now, the word gentleness, the second word is the word splachna, which means from the bowels, compassion, caring, from your inner being, forgiving one another, okay? And why? As God in Christ forgives you, okay? Because the only reason is, you know, these are other sinful people because God forgave you. That's why 
we then live like this towards others. There is no sin that another can commit against you that if you committed against God, God will forgive you. Therefore, you are to forgive others. Because God would forgive the same thing. There is no room for holding grudges. No room. Now, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 go with the verses before, not the verses after. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. And walk in love as also Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God, pleasing aroma. All right, so we've talked about the implications of baptism. We've talked about the uh, new um, ethics that we live with in our lives and in our speech. But it's all summed up in the imitators of God. The imitators of God because Christ gave himself for you an offering and a sacrifice which was a pleasing aroma to God. And that's what changed everything. That's what changed everything. All right, we got a few minutes here. Questions? Yeah, bud. It does. Yeah, what, what Bud's saying is the, the old way was to take from others. The new way is to give to others. The exact opposite. You can't give to others unless you have something to give. So work so you have things to give to others. And that's, that's radical from the world's point of view because the world says make as much as you can and keep as much as you can so you can be secure. Okay? You're secure in God. So you have the freedom to give. You have the freedom to give. Your security is elsewhere. Janet? Okay. Righteous anger would be the kind of anger Jesus had when he walked into the temple and saw them selling selling, buying and selling. That was righteous anger. It is righteous anger when you get upset when you see uh, the sin in this world. 
when you get upset because we have abortion, when you get upset with those kinds of things, you are right in being angry. But do not sin. Okay. Do not sin. So there is righteous anger. The principal can be righteously angry when a kids act that way. But you don't beat them. You'd like to, but you don't. Instead of you taking action, you, you leave it to God or you work through legal means that the, the, that the government allows to express the change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, that is correct. We hear a lot today about how you can do anything you set your mind to. You just have to make yourself do it. That is self-aggrandizement, and you can wind up worshiping yourself. Okay? Literally, you're your own idol. I can do anything. Okay? I don't need anybody's help. I can do it. All right, so our time is up. Remember, we do not meet next week. There will be a worship service here at 9.30, so we will meet again in two weeks. Two weeks. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.